The scripture for this morning's sermon comes from the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 8. It says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? This is God's word. He is risen. Good morning and happy Easter. Really, really glad that you are here today. Mackie, we get to do this once a year, and uh, in a certain way, I wish we could just do it every Sunday. Isn't it a glorious place for us to worship and to sing God's praises? Unfortunately, the budget won't account for that. (laughs) So this passage that uh, Dave just read for us is a passage I I really love. And usually when I read it, one of the reasons why I love it is I put myself, this is a helpful way to read scripture, I, I put myself in the shoes of one of the people in it. And almost always I put myself in the shoe of Philip. I've used uh, this passage as a way to study and understand what is ministry supposed to be? What does it look like? How are we supposed to go about building the relationships and pointing to Jesus as um, we go about this life of ministry? It's, it's been an important touchstone for me. But today, for us, I want to see if we can put our shell, ourselves in the shoes of the Ethiopian eunuch. Because he discovers something really important here. He discovers what the gospel is and what the gospel does. What the gospel is and what the gospel does. So let's pray, shall we? And we'll dive right in. Gracious, holy God, 
What an extraordinary thing you have done this morning. 2,000 years ago, you were risen from the grave and you allowed yourself to be seen and celebrated and touched and heard and listened to. And ever since then, just like this morning, you have been tugging on human hearts, pulling them towards yourself, drawing them into gathering that they might hear your story once again. And so, Lord, would you sweep away the distractions of the moment? Would you forgive me for whatever it is I get wrong so we might simply and clearly hear the good news of the gospel? Your word never returns void, Lord, and I pray that the meditations of our hearts and my words would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, if you are our Lord, our rock, and redeemer, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, in the story of the Bible, when we get to the book of Acts, Jesus has already risen from the dead, and uh, he's already ascended into the heavenly places, and his disciples and his followers, those who became what we call now the apostles, were starting to understand that they had something important to tell. And they started to scatter and one of those stories is the story of Philip. And Philip is told to go, start walking. And as he's walking, he comes up on this man who is apparently a man of great means and power and authority. We find out in the story that he is an Ethiopian eunuch. He's in charge of the entire treasury of the kingdom of Ethiopia, which was Ethiopia and Sudan and even a little part of modern-day Egypt, a huge territory. So it's not just him. He probably has like a guide and soldiers and people all around him. And, and he's sitting and he's, he's reading. And the spirit tells Philip, go run to that guy. And he does. And he hears him. And he says, do you understand what you are reading? See, back then everyone read aloud. Everyone read aloud. There was no silent personal reading yet. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, well, I, I can't understand it unless someone can tell me. Why don't you, can you come up here and tell me? And he, he reads this passage from Isaiah. And he says, tell me, who, who's he talking about? Himself? The writer of this, is he talking about himself? Or is he talking about someone else? And Philip begins then to tell him the good news of Jesus Christ using that very moment. We don't actually know what he said. We can kind of maybe sort of imagine what he said based on the, the years of history and tradition and what the scripture itself teaches. Probably Philip had several hours of walking and talking and, and being together to share the story. I'm going to try to tell you in the next about six and a half minutes. Philip, no doubt, answered the question and said, well, he's talking about someone else. In fact, he's talking about someone that I watched personally die. He was an innocent man. And the religious authorities and the governmental authorities, they, they colluded together to put this man to death. One can only imagine the eunuch then asked, why? Why would they do that? And Philip takes that moment and starts back from the beginning. 
And he goes on to tell this story about how God and his goodness and in his creativity spoke everything into existence, except for one thing. Everything else was spoken into existence and it was intricately and beautifully woven together. It's exquisite in its creativity. It's exquisite in its beauty. It's shocking in how it all fits. But there's one thing that God did not speak into existence but breathed into life, and that was human beings. And he breathed them into life because he was so eager to have something that he made that could also love him and he could love, something that he could have a relationship with. And so for some brief spell of time, that original couple, Adam and Eve, well, they walked with the Lord in a unique and glorious and beautiful way. But then Ethiopian, then church, we know it didn't remain that way. Soon and very soon, humanity began to find itself in a pattern of rebellion. We find ourselves sin-sick. We are self-reliant in all the wrong ways. And no doubt, Philip went on to say, and the consequence of this is we, the longer we follow this pattern and path, the further we find ourselves from the one who made us and created us and loved us. And the path of rebellion, the path of humanity is now one that will end in eternal separation. And that just gets us to chapter three of Genesis. Just the opening chapters of the Bible. Almost the rest of the Bible is this grand and ongoing story of, of how God wants to seek and create redemption and reconciliation for that which he has breathed life into. And so he chooses for himself a people that he will um, act through and for and on their behalf, this tiny little no-account group of people called the Israelites. They're like with, completely without power in the grand scope of everything that was going on in the Middle East. He says, through you, through this people, God is going to orchestrate a grand reconciliation because this pathway to death must die. And what it is we come to understand as we read the Old Testament, as we continue to read, and what no doubt Philip outlined is that this problem that we have now is so big. It is so big that the only one who could actually solve this problem that we have is God. This sin problem is so huge, we are incapable of fixing it on our own. But we are the ones who should we are the ones who are responsible. We are the ones who wear the weight, bear the weight of the responsibility. Only God can fix it. Only humanity should fix it. So at just the right time, God came in the flesh that both could come together and do the work of reconciliation. That one is named Jesus Christ. And he was born of a woman. He's had flesh and blood. And he also was eternally divine. And as he walked this earth, he, he showed us the ways of God in a whole new and fresh and powerful way. 
He healed those that people thought should never be healed. He, he did things that people thought were a pure affront to the Lord. He, he said that God's kingdom is near. In fact, he said, I am God's kingdom and I will reign. Enter those Pharisees, those religious rulers and the governmental authorities. Did you say kingdom? Did you say reign? And so they put him to death. They hung him on a cross. It was a, it was a brutal death. And the language of the Bible from this passage in Isaiah that the Ethiopian eunuch read, it says that he was slaughtered. And those who killed him, what they couldn't see, what they missed in the middle of their anger and rage was simply this. The God-man had come and was hanging on that cross to take away the sin of the world. And they took him down from that cross after he breathed his last and they put him in a grave. But the grave could not hold Jesus Christ. So not only did he die for us, but he also now lives for us. He's raised in the flesh, victorious. His name means saved, for goodness sake. He appeared to dozens of people and said, let this news spread and be shared. To trust in this one who not only died for us, but now lives for us is to live a life of repaired and repairing relationships. To live trusting the work of Jesus Christ is to have a transforming heart, growing joy, deep peace, expanding vision. And it's at this point, Philip and the Ethiopian, three hours, they did all that and more, and who knows, more than three and they're passing by some water. And, and the Ethiopian eunuch says, hey, wait, hold it. He must have talked about baptism somewhere in his story. Because he says, hey, there's water. Why shouldn't I be part of this story right now? Why should I wait? This, I should not be prevented from doing this. Let's do this. What can, what can possibly stop me? Well, what is it that the Ethiopian heard that would make him want to do that? Why is it that so many in this room have at one point or one way or another have, have decided to do that same thing? I believe there's really just two things. One, what is the gospel? The Ethiopian discovers and celebrates exactly what the gospel is. And here it is, if you're taking notes. The gospel is good news not good advice. The gospel is good news. It's not good advice. The gospel will probably result in a way of life, but it's not really about a list of things to do. The gospel is not something that we do. It is something that has been done for us. And that's what the Ethiopian heard. And friends, that's what I want you to hear today. Because we are deluged 
by advice, aren't we? And so much of it sounds spiritual and it sounds wise and it sounds smart. No doubt the Ethiopian eunuch himself, as, as someone who sat in the royal room, as people came by to share, he, he saw all sorts of religions. He saw all sorts of people striving to be near to God, working to find God. And he knows advice just lays on another burden. You Probably you feel it too. I don't think I can go anywhere online or in the grocery store where I don't see headlines like this. Here are the, the four management tricks to help your employees stay on point. Use these three meditation tools to, to grow in your sense of well-being. Do these seven cleaning things so that your home will be a house of peace during this spring time. Avoid these five foods after you're 45. <laughs> I clicked that one. <laughs> you see, we are, in a certain way, we have found ourselves bound to and curious and desiring advice. We, we want to know how to find God. And we earnestly search and look. But friends, the gospel is not how to, how to find God. The gospel, the good news, is that God has come to find you. That is the gospel. That's what the Ethiopian eunuch found out, that this is good news. See, the Ethiopian knows, like advice, will only get you so far, and it's a labor. The word good news is used something like 133 times in this last little section of the Bible, and used maybe 50 times in that fatter part of the Bible. And almost every time that this phrase or word, good news, is used, it's meant to indicate rescue from peril. The good news is almost always involves someone who finds themselves in deep need of rescue. They are in peril, that they are in danger. And the good news is they are pulled from it. And what the Ethiopian eunuch found out those many thousands of years ago, what I hope you will hear today is this. God has come to find you and to save you from your peril. You see, spiritual advice just lays on more burden. But the gospel removes it. Advice tells us how to address the mess. My life is messy. I have a beautiful wife. We have four children. We have one cat that lives between the floor joists in our basement. We had three dogs, but until six days ago, for quite a while, we had 12 dogs. I have a full-time job. I have hobbies. I have friends. I, there's so much. What am I supposed to do with all of that? The five ways to help your life calm down. 
how are we going to address the mess? Well, friends, the, the good news is actually is that the mess has been addressed. Reverse it. The biggest, most intractable problems that you have, you, you don't have to address the mess because the mess has already been addressed for you in Jesus Christ. And this is such good news to the Ethiopian. He says, hit the brakes, stop. All the soldiers stop, all of the people, all the whole train of people with him. Because he knows and he's heard what the gospel is. It is good news. It is not advice. But I believe he also asked to slam the brakes because what he heard is not just what the gospel is, but what the gospel does. We don't know a lot about this eunuch. What we know is he was uh, in the Ethiopian royal home. He was a eunuch. He had extraordinary uh, responsibility. And uh, most historians think that he's the one who started the church in North Africa. Beyond that, we don't know. What we can say is this. What we do know is this. Because he's an Ethiopian eunuch in the royal household, we know he carries some unique burdens. And these burdens are both unique to him and probably they're analogous to some of the things that are true of the people in this room. As the one who is the treasurer, he has great, pardon me, great responsibility. He has a huge job. There's so much that he gets to do. He, he carries this deep burden of, of responsibility and competence. It turns out he's really good at his job. And that, friends, you know if you have a job is a burden. Oftentimes you stay up late nights thinking about how you're going to solve these problems. What's going to happen? How are you going to do this part? How does this all fit together? And sometimes you sit there and say like, Lord, not only is this a great burden, it, does it matter? Does it matter? I go through that. Because of what I know, what I think I know about what it's like to bear responsibility like the Ethiopian eunuch does, I bet he went through that. See, part of our burden actually is managing all the wealth of the incredible things that God has put in our path. It's a good life. If you live within 10 miles of this place, I've said this many times, you live in a vortex of awesome. It is so great here. But don't you also feel the burden? The eunuch also, I am deeply convicted, carried another burden. See, as a eunuch, he was never going to be able to bear or have children. He carries with him, even with all this great responsibility, the, the deep sadness that his, his line, his family tree will end with him. He's never going to get to hold a child, see it do things he could never even imagine it doing. He's never going to get to bounce a baby on his knee or pronounce a blessing on a grandchild. 
And so he carries with him at the same time as this great joy of this burden of work, he, he carries with it also this deep burden of sadness. They are together. And they are together in me. I also carry my own sadnesses and weight, things that I regret, habits I can't unlock, parts of my story that will have to wait for heaven to be redeemed. Your burden may not be being childless, but I know we have one. I know you have one. I believe it was Socrates who said, be kind to everyone because everyone is carrying a great burden you know nothing about. We are weighed down by these things, friends, both the blessing and the pain, just like the Ethiopian eunuch. And here's what he discovered about what the gospel does. The the gospel takes that burden and it shifts it off of us. Jesus Christ shares, says to us, take on who I am. Take me into your life for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You don't have to go around wondering how you will navigate with the full weight of all the burdens you carry. The good news is that Christ came to alleviate those pains. This is what the gospel does. It it sets course for us in a way where we can realize we are not solely and only in control by ourselves. But the one who has come as God in the flesh, he recasts our burdens. In Christ, we can see that the, the deepest sadnesses that we carry will at some day be knit together whole at his second coming. This is what I believe the eunuch discovered. That the gospel is good news. That's what it is. And what it does is it alleviates the burdens that we carry. He gives us a new horizon for our joys. And he gives us new understanding for our sorrows. And as Philip comes to the end of this story, the Ethiopian eunuch says, I'm in. This whole thing, I, I, I know I can't see it all. There's a, there's a horizon about Jesus I can't see. But because of Jesus Christ, I know things are not only as they seem. I'm in. I want this. Hit the brakes. What's to, present, what's to prevent me from being baptized right now? And friends, the question of the Ethiopian eunuch is the question for you. The gospel is good news of God's love and life for you. What will you do? Why wait? What is preventing you from going deeper into this good news, letting it take over your whole heart and mind and imagination? What is the threshold of of doubt, of worry, of concern that, that you need to cross? 
In just a minute, I'm gonna pray that the Spirit would give you the courage to, to cross that threshold, to go even deeper in your understanding and trust in Jesus Christ. But before I do that, I wanna invite you to come to the next five weeks of worship at First Press. Because we're gonna talk about that. These thresholds that get in the way from eternal hope and life. Would you come? Why don't you come? Scripture is extraordinarily, shockingly reliable and helpful. Why don't you come? Come find out why the Ethiopian doesn't wait and why I don't believe you should either. Let's pray. Gracious and holy God, one who has come in the flesh, lived for us, died for us, raised for us. Would you prompt every heart in this room right now to consider more deeply the hope of the good news. As we heard in testimony, it is understandable that we would have fears, that we would be nervous, that elements even of our story might make it sound as if we can never have this hope of grace. But Lord, this is not advice. This is news. You have done it. Would you teach us and show us this week how to live in the confidence of that news as if we've won the greatest lottery ticket ever? Joy, life, hope, reconciliation. Pour out abundantly on this gathering, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.